You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. What is up? I am so glad that we are back on the air after last week. We 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 were all set. We were going to do a show, and then I caught like the worst stomach bug. And I'm going to spare everybody the gory details. But uh, it's just safe to say that uh, I was in no condition to do a show uh, last Tuesday. So I'm glad that to be back live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So shout out to everybody watching live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. If you're not watching live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, like this video, no matter what, wherever you are, like this video, subscribe, turn on notifications so you you find out every single time we go live and you can dive into the chat because everybody knows that the chat is where it's at on the Dolphin Song YouTube channel. So so dive into the comments. Shout out to everybody joining us live here on Tuesday evening. If you're listening to us after the fact, thank you. We're glad to be with you as well. Make sure you download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. We really appreciate that very much. And of course, make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It's your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Brain, the last time we recorded... We were pretty fired up because the Dolphins went out, Chris Greer went out, and he got Teron Armstead, the number one free agent on the market in the National Football League. Chris Greer goes out, gets him, brings him to Miami on a deal that was not maybe as monumental as uh, some people thought maybe the Dolphins would make one, right? We thought we'd throw the whole bag at him, and it turns out it was actually a pretty good deal for the Dolphins, not really overpaying. And we're feeling pretty good about that. We're like, this is this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Well, the next day, literally the next day, the Miami Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill, one of the most impactful wide receivers in the National Football League because of his speed. That is not an exaggeration. This is a guy who changes the way the defenses play because of his speed. The Dolphins went and they traded five draft picks for the guy, including a couple this year. Um, But as it stands right now, the Dolphins are set up. Well, we're set up with still two first round picks in 2023, still in good shape. And we're thinking, okay, this is a good, this is really shaping up. I mean, this is a huge move. Dolphins are bringing in Tyreek Hill. And then, of course, that started a quote unquote discourse on the Internet about whether Tyreek Hill was somehow suddenly washed because he's playing for the Dolphins now. Uh, But this is neither here nor there. Um, 
So we're still, we're feeling pretty good. Well, then it's still not over because then the Dolphins, Chris Greer renegotiates, restructures Xavier Howard's contract, tearing up the final three years on his deal in order to make him the mo- the second highest paid player on the team, the number one highest paid defensive player on the Miami Dolphins, but also freeing up some cap space for the Dolphins. Then Chris Greer, at long last, trades away Devontae Parker, our old friend, Uncle Vontae, traded away, trades away Devontae Parker and a fifth round pick in 22 for a 2023 third round pick from the New England Patriots. That is a pretty good value for Devontae Parker. And so as things stand, it is a very, very good offseason for the Miami Dolphins. So, Brain, I'm going to start the show tonight by posing a question that I posed to you in the last episode of the show, made you roll your eyes almost out of your skull. So I want to ask, I'm going to ask again now, are you prepared to give Chris Greer his flowers? Uh, this is a, this is a really impressive offseason. straight up. Chris Greer deserves a lot of credit. This is a really impressive off season. It's a, it's a great off season. Uh, there's a couple of moves that I don't love, but by and large, look, you came into this season, this off season, and you said, well, they need to get two studs on the offensive line. Done. You need to. Add another weapon in the wide receiver room. They got arguably the best receiver in the league and the perfect fit for, for Mike McDaniel's offense. Uh, they needed to upgrade the running back room. They did that. Some, some argued, you know, whether or not they should, uh, you know, bring back Mike Kosicki, you know, should they franchise him? Should they not? But a lot of people said, look, we, we also need to bring back Mike Kosicki. They did it. We all pretty much agreed. You've got to bring back Emmanuel Ogba. They did it. We said, you got to figure out a way to make X happy. They did it. You got to, we said, well, can they make X happy and not lose Byron Jones to where they're, you know, you know, Creating another hole at a, at an important position. Well, they restructured both of their contracts. So they, they got that done too. Um, it's, it's an impressive off season. Uh, so he deserves a lot of credit. The question is, is it enough? And is it enough to overtake the mistakes that he's made in the past? And the, the, uh, the further question to be fair is, are those mistakes from the past legitimate mistakes? Because this is a prove me year for two of the quote unquote mistakes, which would be Austin Jackson and Tua Tungavailoa, which you, you would look at. I mean, we could talk about Noah Benogany, but I think we're all kind of understanding at this point that Noah Igbenogany is probably never going to live up to his draft stock where he was drafted. But there is the potential that Tua 
can live up to his draft where he was drafted. Uh, and there is the potential that Austin Jackson can live up, if not totally to where he was drafted, at least close to where he was drafted this year, albeit it is a long shot. But if those two guys do not fulfill their potential, then it will not be enough. That said, you can't grade Chris Greer's offseason this year based on his draft from two years ago. So I give him a lot of credit. It's a great offseason. It is a great offseason, and the Dolphins are in position now to potentially, I mean, they are right there in that pack of teams that should be in the playoff conversation. Granted, they were in the playoff conversation last year. I think as you look at the AFC, the only reason the Dolphins aren't a dead set, absolute bang on playoff team is because they're still chasing the Buffalo Bills, which means they're essentially looking at fighting for one of those three wild card spots. And, you know, that's that's a crapshoot at that point, you know. And now there are some people out there that will say, well, maybe the Dolphins are good enough to 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 catch the Buffalo Bills. I don't know that that's necessarily correct. But and I think there's there are still some variables that remain to be seen that we'll need to see to play out over the course of the season. And as you mentioned, you know, Austin Jackson is one by all accounts. It sounds like Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg are going to be in competition for the right tackle position. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and then the other question mark is, of course, whether Tua can really take that big year two to year three leap. Now I want to get into, uh, I want, I have a question for you in that regard, but I don't want to, I don't want to say that. I want to get to that right quick. Cause I first want to talk about some of these individual things that happened first. Um, and I want to start with Tyreek Hill, but before we talk about Tyreek Hill, a reminder, if you're not doing so already, make sure you're following us. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain, that's at A-A-Ron the Brain. And the show is at Same Old Dolphins. Give us a follow on Twitter. We appreciate it very much. So, Brain, Tyreek Hill comes into this offense. And this is, this is a, as I mentioned, a high-impact player who makes teams completely change the way they play. When you look at this Dolphins offense now, I mean, it's completely revamped in terms of you know, what it's going to look like, I would think. I mean, they've remade the backfield by bringing in uh, Raheem Mostert and uh, Chase Edmonds. Mike McDaniel is talking more about Savan Ahmed than he is about Miles Gaskin. So Miles Gaskin might be, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know that he's a shoe in to make the team. But then you look at, obviously, tight end. You've got Gasicki, you've got uh, Smythe re-signed, and now the wide receiver room is completely remade. Do you remember at, at the end of the 2021, or as the 2020 season, we are like, God, you know, this offseason will be a success if Jakeem Grant is no longer necessary in this <laughs> wide receiving court. Remember, that was what we were talking about after the 2020 season. It's like, it would be great if we could up, upgrade the wide receiver room so that Jakeem Grant doesn't have to be catching passes and running routes. Well, now the Dolphins have upgraded the wide receiver room so much that they don't even need Devontae Parker to be running routes and catching passes. So Devontae Parker has been shipped out. So now you've got Cedric Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. You've got, uh, you know, Sherfield, who they brought in. You've got 
Lynn Bowden's still there, and you've got Preston Williams, who the Dolphins are going to probably, you know, have be the contested catch guy, you know, sort of like Devontae was. But by bringing in Tyreek Hill, just how much does that one move change this Dolphins offense, Bryn? Well, it's huge because you put Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell on the field at the same time, and you're not going to see loaded up boxes to stop the run. I mean, the teams are going to have to respect them, whether or not they respect Tua. Like, I'm sure at some point in the season, there's going to be a, a, a couple of defenses that say, hey, we don't care that these guys are here. We're still going to make Tua beat us over the top. But at a certain point, you know, Tua's like – he doesn't need to have the strongest arm. These guys are going to create space and they're going to be able to do it. And they, and, and the fact is they don't just create space by blowing the top off the defense with their speed, but you now have two guys that are potentially, you know, game breakers in keeping the, the edge honest because they, they can get the ball on the end arounds. And, you know, it, it, it's just another thing for the defense that they have to be aware of and you you line those guys up on opposite sides and you just don't know what's coming and then you look at the speed in the backfield Raheem Mostert you know can get to the edge on any play Chase Edmonds not as fast as Mostert but you know uh, you know another fast guy that can get to the edge that's quick and that's powerful and uh the, and and then you still have to respect you know the ability of Mike Gesicki and and it's not like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are just these fast guys that just win with speed they're also really great route runners who create a ton of separation which we've been saying for years has been the look since Tua's first year we talked about you know why did we talk about last year that the Dolphins needed to rework the uh the wide receiver room it's because they were relying on guys like Devonte Parker and Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki none of these guys were creating much separation they were all in like the bottom 10 in the league for receivers from NFL's next gen stats in creating separation well now you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill who are both very good at creating separation and you have, uh, you know, a couple of offensive linemen that come in that immediately make the left side of your offensive line viable and you're going to bring in the zone blocking scheme and you've got running backs that can fit that mold. There's a lot of potential here. Of course, the big question mark is, is two of the guy, is he the trigger man that can make the most of this potential? But I would argue that this offense is built perfectly for Tua's skill set because his skill set is not strong arm throwing the ball like, you know, the Air Coriel offense. No, it's the West Coast offense. It's designed to get the ball to players in space and getting them the ball accurately so that they can run after the catch with that space. The Dolphins have some of the most dangerous players in space, and they've got guys that create more space for other players. So there's a lot of potential and a lot of reason to be excited. And so I really commend, 
you know, first, first off, I commend them on hiring the right guy uh, in Mike McDaniel. And I commend them on building the, the roster to fit what Mike McDaniel wants to do. Will it work out? That remains to be seen, but all the pieces are there. All the pieces are in fact there so much so that, uh, you know, some people, some people, I don't want to say they're getting carried away, but maybe they're even getting a little carried away. My good friend, Charlie over there from the go time dolphins podcast. He said to me, well, he didn't say to me, he said it on the podcast. He said, he thinks this might be the best Miami dolphins roster of all time. Now I, I'm not saying that necessarily. I've watched this team for too long over the past two decades plus to sit here at the beginning of April and tell you a team that finished nine and eight last year, you know, even, even with the off season that they've had, that that team is now the best, you know, the best roster in the history of the franchise, a franchise that by the way, has a team that had a perfect season. You know, I, I don't want to, you know what I mean? So And listen, we're going to get Charlie on the show here. Uh, He and I have been in touch. We're going to get him on the show at some point here in the near future, and I'll let him defend that take. But listen, I think it is time. People are getting excited and so much that I want to – I'm starting a new segment here on the same old Dolphin show. It's going to be on the same old Dolphin show. It might even even be its own separate show depending on how it goes, but I'm starting it here. I'm starting it now, okay? This is is the same old Dolphins. This is the Dolphins talk show. Pulse check. It is pulse check time, baby. So I want everybody watching live. I want you to give me one word, one word, exactly one word that describes how you are feeling about the Miami Dolphins right now. One word. How are you feeling? And fired up is two words. So I want you to tell me, brain, what is yours? What is I, if I if give me one word to describe how you are feeling about this Miami Dolphins team right now, one word. I'm excited. Oh, oh, Aaron, the brain I'm is excited. excited. <laughs> Listen, we got oh, we got all kinds of stuff here in the chat. Evan, Evan Posner says stupendous. BD Robert says win. Garrett Grimes says excited. John Santos positive. Mike Mars excited. Laird Ventress. This, this, this is the best one. This is the best one. Gullible. Chris, gullible. Chris Who said gullible. Gullible. Chris yeah, I, says I gullible. like this That's one. amazing. Because we've we been here kinds, before. We got great words. The pulse check is great. People are stoked, ecstatic, happy, pumped. Oh, yeah. Scared. Somebody said scared also. Well, I, Excited. Yeah. Explosive. Somebody's explosive like I was last Tuesday when we couldn't do the show. It's unbelievable, baby. People are fired up. And this has been your Miami Dolphins pulse check here on the same old Dolphins show. Now, people are feeling that way right now, Brain. How do you think these people are going to feel? Because this is what I'm going to say. Because we, we know that Charlie said that this team is, he thinks it's the best roster that they've ever had. And, and again, I, I, that's, I, I'm not defending that take. We're going to have him on. He can defend that take. But here's my question. I, the question that I, w- I want to ask is how far can this Dolphins team go? What is the ceiling for this Dolphins team this year? And the answer to that question is obviously couched in what the quarterback does, right? I think anybody anybody who is objectively looking at the Miami Dolphins is going to answer that question the same way. What this team's ceiling is, is entirely dependent 
on what Tua does this year. So let me pose the question to you this way. Because everybody's so fired up. Everybody is so excited. Everybody is so pumped. Everybody is so explosive. Let's say the Tua Tungavailoa takes the same leap from year two to year three that one Josh Allen took from year two to year three of his NFL career. If that happens, if Tua makes that leap, my question for you, Bryn, what is the 2022 Miami Dolphins ceiling? So you're asking, what is the ceiling if Tua Tungavailoa is the league MVP? Or in that conversation. Well, if he's the league MVP, then the ceiling is the Super Bowl. Because if he's the league MVP, then this offense is going to be great and this defense is good enough. The question is, is, how realistic is it? And what are the odds that he takes that leap? I think this offense is built perfectly for him. Um, but I think it's, it's quite a leap to expect that. That might be the ceiling. Um, but I think re- reality, the, a, a realistic expectation isn't that he's going to be that. I think a realistic expectation would be, Look, if all of these pieces mesh well together and, and Tua, and it's a good fit and Tua continues to progress, that he could be in the conversation for a Pro Bowl in the AFC, even amongst all these quarterbacks that are in the AFC. I don't think Tua is going to make the Pro Bowl, but if Tua is a top 10 quarterback in the league, then this team should be a playoff team. It should absolutely be a playoff team. The problem is, as you alluded to before, that we're up against Buffalo in the division, and Buffalo is probably, from a roster standpoint, where look, we're we're in the beginning of April, so we haven't even started training camp. Injuries are going to happen. Surprises are going to happen. But right now, Buffalo is probably the best roster in the NFL. Not just the division, not just the AFC in the NFL. And it's also a loaded conference. It's not just a loaded division. It's a loaded conference. Personally, I think we're better than the Patriots. I think the Patriots have lost too much. That's That's not what Mike Tannenbaum says. Oh, well, there's a reason why Mike Tannenbaum's on ESPN and he's not on uh, an NFL front in an NFL front office anymore. Bomb drop. Yeah. So I like, I think we're better than the Patriots. I think we're, you know, the Jets are not there yet. Uh, I think you can make the argument that, you know, even though Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl this year, that if you put Miami in the AFC North, Miami would be just as good, if not better than any of those teams. Uh, in the AFC South, I think Miami could go toe to toe. Uh, and you can make probably the same argument there. But I think the fact is, is that those teams are close. And then if you put Miami in the AFC West up against those teams, like I'd still probably take Kansas City over them. I think the Chargers probably have a better roster. I think the Raiders, it's probably really close. Denver, it's probably really close. So that you start really parsing through this and you say, well, if the Dolphins don't win the division, 
you know, then they're going to be battling against some of these teams that they're probably even with just to make a playoff spot. I think you could probably rank Miami realistically anywhere from fourth to eighth in the AFC and make a really compelling argument and be absolutely right. And so the problem is, is if the Dolphins are the eighth best team in the AFC, there's no, there's no position in the AFC that's more same old Dolphins than being one game out of the playoffs. Uh, and there's the very realistic possibility that that's still where we are at. The thing is, is that Buffalo has built themselves a very short window. And if things are moving in the right direction, this team should make the playoffs this year and should be in an upward trajectory to continue uh, and really be a, a Super Bowl contender for the next few years. Yeah, I think it's a really, really exciting time for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and and so people should be fired up. I mean, the Dolphins are on pace to sell out every game this season. I don't remember the last time the Dolphins sold out every game. The Dolphins are, you know, on pace to be the hottest show in town again after a long time of taking a backseat to the Miami Heat and even <laughs> wait, to a wait certain a extent. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Miami Heat are currently the number one seed in the NBA's Eastern Conference. They're not taking a backseat to a Dolphins team that's coming off of a nine and eight season and hasn't made the playoffs in like, what, six years. Uh, listen, the Miami Heat are a very popular team, but we all know that that South Florida, Miami in particular, that's a football town. They like the heat. They absolutely like the heat down there. They love the heat. They they feel the heat down in their soul, okay? But when the Miami Dolphins are hot and exciting and fun, there is no other show in town in South Florida, and that's the bottom line. Shout out to Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling Kevin Owens. At Spoken like a person who hasn't lived lived in South Florida since like the the early two thousands. That I mean, that's fair. The Heat were miserable the last time I I lived in. I mean, the Heat is miserable now, but you know what I mean. That's a different thing. Regardless, it's a it's it's the Dolphins town, and it's going to be the Dolphins town again, baby. But you know, the pressure's on them to put it all together. And actually win the games. So the Dolphins, they, and here's the thing now, right? The Dolphins have made all of these moves. They've, they brought in Tyreek Hill. They sent away Devontae Parker. And with all of these moves the Dolphins have made, Brian, they're still fourth in the National Football League in cap space remaining with, with just under $22 million in cap space left this season. So that begs the question, is this team done? Are they still, I mean, there it seems like there's a lot of buzz going around that they might try to bring in a center, try to bring in some competition for Michael Dieter. And now obviously they only have four draft picks and I think they've got, they don't have a pick until 102. So the back end of the third round, I mean, this is, so, I mean, the draft is not going to be the way that this team builds going forward, at least this offseason. This is a very sort of L.A. Rams model, right? They're doing it through player acquisition, free agency. And I don't think this team 
is done. I think they're going to probably try to bring in at least another offensive lineman, another veteran offensive lineman. And it wouldn't surprise me, quite frankly, to see them bring in somebody else at a skill position as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in another one of these veteran wide receivers that's out there on the market. It would be it would be hilarious if the if the Dolphins ended up bringing back Will Fuller on like a significantly reduced <laughs> deal for that ain't that ain't happening. Um but, I'd be shocked if they spent big money on receiver. Uh, I think given their, their needs, there are guys that can fill their needs with the cap space that they have, um, depending on what they want to spend it on. But they do need to be careful because while they have cap space this year, they have painted themselves into a little bit of a corner next season. Uh, right now with the money that they currently have on the roster, and the guys that are set to or scheduled to be on the roster next season, they're in negative cap space. But they've got guys that they'll be able to cut next year. Uh, you know, they Chase Edmonds is not going to see the second year of that contract. They'll save $6 million in cap space there. Uh, they'll save about $3.5 million by cutting Durham Smythe. They could probably extend... Uh, Christian Wilkins instead of giving him the $10 million club option. So to free up a little bit more cap space there, they may move on from Jason Sanders, depending on what kind of year he has, because they can cut him and save about three and a half million dollars next year. Um, so there's, there's things, there's, there's moves that can be made next year to free up cap space. But if they go out and they use the cap space that they have this year and bring on more salary, that is going to have dead cap space next year if they cut them, then they're going to paint themselves into a in, into a corner where they're not because they also have to they have a bunch of draft picks next year. You got to have money to sign those draft picks. Um, whether whether you move them up to to trade uh, to to draft somebody higher or you draft a bunch of guys with those picks, you're you're going to need some money. Uh, you're going to need some cap space. Now in 2024, they have a ton of flexibility because they have a bunch of contracts coming up. Um, so they've got to be very careful. And I think that's kind of the holdup. They've, there's been talk about JC Treader. Um, I, I think that's the holdup because, uh, you know, how do you sign him, but not commit yourself to having to pay him a bunch of money next year, especially if you're bringing him in to compete with Michael Dieter. Um, I like, do you justify making that move, um, and, and committing a bunch of salary to him next year? Because if you are, then you're basically saying goodbye to Michael Dieter. Um, or do you give Michael Dieter a chance in a zone scheme with a full year under his belt at center, a legitimate offensive line around him, a legitimate offense around him and say, look, let's, let's see what Michael Dieter can do this year. I don't know the answer to that, but they do have cap space so they could they could look they could spend it at center they could spend it at right tackle like eric fisher is still out there available did he have a great year this year no coming off of his injury so a lot of people are saying well he's damaged goods he's not worth well maybe you can give him a one year deal you you got this cap space you can give Eric Fisher a, a prove it deal and put him at right tackle but it doesn't look like that's the route they're going to go because it looks like they're dead set at at you know figuring out what they have at tackle between Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg, both of whom they spent a ton of draft capital on. So they're not going to go that route. Well, there's also linebackers out there. You could go out and we we talked about how they need to get a linebacker. Bobby Wagner is out there. 
No, he's not. He signed with the Rams. Oh, Bobby Wagner signed. Okay, so I was looking at Joe Schobert is still there. I'm just saying. Okay, so they, you know, there are the point is is there are places that they can spend this money, but they have to be very careful about it because if they commit to any of these guys and have money that's guaranteed for them next season, then they're going to paint themselves into a cap problem uh, next season. Uh, so they got to be careful. And that begs the question. This is the one thing that I'm kind of questioning right now about all the, look, I love the fact that they restructured X and they made him happy and all these moves that they made that I'm happy about with Chris Greer. But looking back at it now, I'm wondering, well, why the hell did you restructure Byron Jones? You could just be paying Byron Jones what he was scheduled to make. And then that's like 10, $12 million that you could have saved next year by, by just jettisoning Byron Jones next year. But you can't do that now because now he's got like, he's like $18 million of dead cap. So what you've got now at corner, that's what you've got for the foreseeable future was not a bad thing. But again, the cap situation is going to be very touchy next year if they're not careful this year. Yeah. So it, it it's still a work in progress, but uh, you know we also know that the salary cap is not real, and so that if the Dolphins need to manipulate some things and do some other restructuring that, to create cap space for next season, they will do it. So I mean, there's still uh, still a lot, you know, and that's still a long ways away because we still have all of this off season to go to play out in front of us. So it's a uh, you know it's an interesting situation. Brain, before we move on from this plethora of moves that the Dolphins have made, is there anything that you would like to say in memory of the late, great Devontae Parker? Yeah, I mean, he's not dead. He just doesn't work here anymore. I'll say this. I think Devontae Parker is a good player. And I'm looking at $13 million of cap space and I'm sitting here going, we saved how much by, by trading him? And, and I don't know that we're going to necessarily spend that on anybody that's going to be better than Devontae Parker. Um, I, I'm not sitting here and I'm going to worry about it, but I'm not going to be shocked if we're playing a game against the Patriots at some point this year and Devontae Parker comes up with a big play that ends up you know, costing the Dolphins down the road. Um, I don't love. You think, you think I, I, that I, you think I, that I like Devonte Parker? And Xavier Howard can't cover friggin' run down Devonte Parker. No, it's not going to be Xavier Howard. It's going to be Byron Jones. It's going to be a jump ball. Jones it's going to be Byron Howard. Jones with blanket coverage on Devonte Parker because Byron Jones is a great cover guy. But the ball's going to go up there, and Devonte Parker has better ball skills. Well, but see, you're making a huge assumption here. The assumption that you're making is that Devontae Parker is not going to be on the inactive list. He's going to find a way to get on the field against the Dolphins. And he's so? going to be motivated. Suddenly, we, we, suddenly, all of his soft tissue issues are gone. He'll find a way to get on the field against the Dolphins because he'll be more motivated to get on the field against the Dolphins than he ever was to get on the field for the Dolphins. Except for the one year when he was in his contract year and he was suddenly super motivated and was out there all the time. But well, this anyway. is essentially a contract year for him because he's got an out in his contract. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I Devontae Parker, 
we 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 make fun of Devonte Parker a lot because he was so he was just seemed just completely not able at all to ever stay healthy. Um, but you know, we get he had a good run. He had a good run in Miami. Gave us some good memes. And uh, you know, shout out to the did MIA trade DVP Twitter account that finally got to tweet yes uh, over the weekend. So that was fantastic. Congratulations. Congratulations to them. So Devontae Parker has moved on and the Dolphins have moved on with a completely new offense for 2022. The defense, a lot of the same characters. Really, I mean, the defense is pretty much status quo as it was last year. But I mean, the key thing there on the defensive side of the ball is they didn't really lose anybody. So assuming that, assuming that Josh Boyer you know, had more to do with the Dolphins, the good defensive performance from the Dolphins than the bad. Well, that's if a, that defense. Not, I don't know why you'd make that assumption. I, I'm just saying if, if, the, <laughs> if the Dolphins defense can play in 2022 for the bulk of the season, like they did in the second half of 2021 and the Miami Dolphins offense can take a significant step forward. Then there's every reason to believe that this Miami Dolphins team is capable of making a run. And here's the thing. Here's the thing for all the positive people out there, right? The people that drink the Kool-Aid. And I don't know that I'm drinking this Kool-Aid yet. I've got a glass of it. It's sitting right here. I got a glass of the Kool-Aid sitting just next to me. I'm not drinking it yet. Okay. But it's there. The glass is full. Last year, the Cincinnati Bengals went from being the worst team, one of the worst teams in the NFL to the Super Bowl, and they did it without an offensive line. The Dolphins have now bolstered their offensive line. They've completely remade their offense. The defense is already very solid. Tua Tonga-Vailoa can take that big step forward, and he doesn't even need to take this. Like, listen, he's never going to be Josh Allen. He doesn't have that kind, the kind of intangibles, the kind of athleticism that, that Josh Allen has. But if you can get if Tua Tungavailoa can take a big step forward, and you know, a lot of people say that you know that you look at Tua Tungavailoa and that that his ceiling would be to be like a Drew Brees type quarterback. If you can get Tua playing like prime Drew Brees, <laughs> look out. Yeah. That's I, all I'm saying. I get it. I get it. I, I get like I I think that's his ceiling. But like if we're sitting here and we're saying that this this is what we need to do to win a Super Bowl, we need Tua to play like prime Hall of Fame Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks to ever to ever suit up. I'm, if that's what we need, then we have a very very small margin. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I'm not convinced that that's what they need, but I'm saying if that's what he does, look out. That's all. That's all. I mean, look, I, I'm with you there. Um, I think that there's potential. I, like I said, this offense, we're going to, one thing is for certain, and this is where I give probably Chris Greer the most credit for everything that he's done this offseason. The best thing that he's done is he has eliminated the excuses for Tua. Not there that is, Tua was ever making any excuses. No, but. no, Tua wasn't making any excuses, but fans and any anybody that is analyzing the team, anybody in that front office that wanted to say, well, 
you know, Tua didn't look great. Well, he didn't have an offensive line. Well, he didn't have enough weapons. You know, oh, he had uh, a coach that didn't believe in him. He brought in a coach that has built an offense or that's bringing in an offense that's built perfectly for him. He's brought in, uh, he's completely fixed the left side of the offensive line. He's brought in weapons. He, he left his favorite weapons from, from the previous year. He didn't take away anything from him aside from Devontae Parker, who he didn't really throw to that much anyway. Uh, and so there's no excuse there. So we're going to know one way or another this year if Tua's got the goods. And the great thing about what they've done here, and again, this is a compliment to Chris Greer, as much as it pains me, is that if it doesn't work out and Tua is not the guy and we know it, the Dolphins have a bunch of draft capital next year for that specific reason. And they don't have to to draft a bunch of players because they've got a bunch of players on the roster. So they can specifically use that draft capital to get their guy, however they have to go about it, uh, about getting him. So they're in a really good spot, especially if Tua ends up being the guy. But one way or another, we're going to find out this year. Yes. And and the only caveat to that, which I think a lot of people will say, well, unless he plays really, really well, but then gets hurt. But here's the thing. If he gets hurt, that's part of the problem. But on the other hand, Drew Brees got hurt. How'd that work out for the Chargers? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's about the only scenario where you come out of the season with a question mark. But then it's like, you know, and then he's going into his fourth round. But I think given given what the past has had, if Tua were to get hurt like a significant injury so that you're not able to get a full picture of things, I mean, I think the Dolphins would have to would have to make a draft pick. They'd have to do it, or 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 to. make a trade, or or make a move for Lamar or Kyler next off season. You know, whatever whatever the deal is, they've got to they, they've got to do that. If you know the the situation here is that barring injury, the Dolphins have are set up right now so that we don't have the same situation with Tua going into his fourth year that you have with Ryan Tannehill where it was like you were just so you didn't know what you had with Ryan Tannehill and you thought maybe he still might be able to I mean some of us were banging the drum this isn't the guy but enough people still had belief in him that the Dolphins signed him to that second contract and I think the situation is such that I can't see the Dolphins signing to a to a second contract if he has you know if he doesn't take a significant step forward this season so that's what I'm going to say about that. So, listen, the Dolphins are set up. It's a good time, as we saw in the in the pulse check. Everybody is very excited about this Miami Dolphins team right now, and for very good reason. Uh, you know, even even us, these cynical fans of the Miami Dolphins, who who always think are these the same old Dolphins? You know, even even we're a little bit excited. Although I'm not, like I said, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid just yet, but Brandon, let me, let me pose you that question here before we talk to our, on our final uh, segment of the evening here. Let me ask you, are they the same old dolphins? Well, they didn't make the playoffs last year. 
They made splashy free agent signings and were excited about the offseason. So until proven otherwise, yes, I'm going to say they are the same old Dolphins. I hope Fair that they're enough. not. I'm cautiously optimistic that they're not, and I'm excited. But I've been excited before, and they've still <laughs> turned out to be the same old Dolphins. So, yes, until proven otherwise, yes. Very good. All right. Well, um, the final thing that we're going to talk about, and we saved it for the end because we know that not a lot of people want to listen to this conversation, especially two weeks after the fact. Um, but there was a lot of conversation, um, you know, surrounding the current quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, when the Dolphins were actively trying to bring him in, there was a lot of conversation, and the brain and I were very vocal about not wanting that player on our team, and about how if the Dolphins were to go out of their way to bring that player in, that it would give us serious pause about how we, uh, you know support this team going forward. And, uh, you know, and then the Dolphins have, you know, obviously that situation never panned out, but the Dolphins did bring in Tyreek Hill. He is a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, and he is another guy who has some incidents in his past that are uh, not, not all, you know, not, it's not great. He's got, he's got some, you know, and and we're not going to get into all the gory details of his, you know, domestic abuse problems in his past, but you know, a lot of people will say, how can you, how can you be anti the dolphins bringing in Deshaun Watson while at the same time actively cheering the signing of Tyreek Hill? Isn't there some, isn't there uh, some hypocrisy there? And I think, I think it's fair to sit down and talk about those two situations because first of all, they're not the same. This is not a, this is not an apples to apples comparison. And so we're going to talk about this now. And if you don't want to listen to it, fine. I understand. You know, if you're able to just say, listen, he, he had his mistakes. It doesn't bother me. I can separate the art from the artist. Fine. That's fine. Good for you. Uh, you know, whatever, but this is our, this is Aaron and I have been having this conversation for the last two weeks, trying to figure out how we feel about it. And, you know, basically what it comes down for me is how can I cheer for Tyreek Hill? And not this other guy, Watson. And I'll say this. I don't have to, first of all, actively cheer for Tyreek Hill because I am a fan of the Miami Dolphins. I don't have to. I don't have to cheer for a specific player. But what I would say here is ultimately at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill, despite all of the issues that he's had in his past, owned up to those issues, admitted fault, admitted wrongdoing, and said, He is going to strive to be a better person going forward. He has moved on and he has tried to be a better person. And I think that is one thing, right? There's distance there. Whereas in the middle of this Watson situation, there was an ongoing investigation and the team was ready to make a move in the middle of an investigation, right? They could could be sacrificing a ton of capital, bringing a player that might end up getting suspended for a significant amount of time. And that was a problem. And so, you know, they're, they're not apples to apples, right? Because again, Watson has shown zero contrition for what he is accused of doing. And granted, innocent until proven guilty. So he's got no reason to say, listen, I did this, blah, 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 blah. But the least he could do is come out in public and say, I'm sorry that something that I did was interpreted this way. And he hasn't even done that. You know, and I, even if he said that, I don't know that I would be enamored with it. Right. And then the other part of it is that at least the franchise wouldn't be actively involved in trying to make these accusations go away. Right. So it, it's not a neat and 
it's not a neat and clean situation. And I think at the end of the day, maybe there is a little bit of hypocrisy, right? We all watch the NFL. We watch the NFL knowing that the National Football League has was itself actively trying to downplay the dangers of the game. Right, actively trained to downplay concussions and the damage that the game was doing to these people. We know what the what playing football does to people, and yet we still go out there, we still cheer for it, we still watch it. And so, you know, at a certain point, it's like I have an attachment to this team. I I love this game. I enjoy watching it. It brings me pleasure, although it also brings me a great deal of pain. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm a Dolphin fan. So what what can I do? So maybe there's some maybe there's some hypocrisy in there somewhere. Fine. But at the end of the day, I don't have to go out and buy a Tyreek Hill jersey. You know, I don't have to do that. I could still support the Miami Dolphins. I can do there's a a great as a German Miami Dolphins podcast that has uh, put a thing out there that says basically anytime Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown, they are making a donation to a group that um, supports women who have been abused. And I think that's fantastic. So there are things that you can do. There are ways to make peace with it. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, if it doesn't bother you, then good for you. Fine. You know, you know, live your life to each their own. I'm just saying the brain and I have been grappling with this. We grappled with it, with the Watson thing on this very podcast. So it would be, it would be of the height of hypocrisy for us to just, you know, put it under the rug brush on sweep under the rug, you know, Tyreek Hill and his checkered past as well. So we're talking about it now. We're going to talk about it this one time. And then after that, it's done. So brain, you want to say your piece? Yeah. So I, I think you covered a lot of it. Um, and I came out really strong, uh, in my stance against, uh, the team going after Deshaun Watson. I, I sat here on this podcast not here in this very room. We, we recorded that show in, in, in your neck of the woods in parts unknown upstate New York. Um, but I said that if the Dolphins went after Deshaun Watson or if they actually traded for him, we actually knew that they were going after him. But I said, if they actually traded for him, that I would not root for the team. And I meant it. And the Dolphins made this move to get Tyreek Hill and immediately the first thought that I had aside from being ex- excited about the prospect of having Tyreek Hill was I said well shit <laughs> how do I how do I justify you know being excited about Tyreek Hill and and I had to really grapple with this um and the truth is much like I'm like every person on the world in the world, particularly, you know, and, and, and not, and, and not just the players that are playing in the NFL, but every single human being, I'm flawed. Um, and I would like to sit here and say that I could take a hard line stance and every time that the Dolphins sign a player that I don't agree with personally or politically or the actions that he has he has done or the things that he said and just say well I'm boycotting the team but I think if that's the case well then like you literally boycott every team in the NFL boycott the NFL and you could literally boycott any organization at a certain point you you just have to say kind of like you did uh, eloquently, much more eloquently than I can. 
that you have to sometimes separate the art from the artist. And the fact is that uh, I am too invested in this team and my love for the game and for this team supersedes any one move that the Dolphins make. Because the Dolphins, let's face it, they've made a lot of moves that I don't agree with. Uh, and I still am there watching them every Sunday. And even when they suck, and even when I know that they suck, I'm still there watching it every Sunday, torturing myself because that's part of being a fan. That's part of being uh, a sports fan. It's painfully, it's part of being a Dolphins fan is living through that pain and that heartache and that struggle and that chore of Watching my team that I know isn't going anywhere every Sunday, knowing that I'm, I'm basically wasting three hours <laughs> that like there, there's nothing that's, there's nothing good that's going to come out of this, but, uh, I'm still going to watch it because I love this team and I want to see, I want to be there and know every step of the way and say that I was there every step of the way. So that, that one day that we've all been waiting for for so long when they finally get it right and they hoist that Lombardi trophy, I can sit here and I say, I was there every step of the way. And I just can't quit them over this move. And and yeah, I can sit here and say, well, it's because Tyreek Hill, you know, showed contrition and Deshaun Watson didn't. And we could get into all it. But really, at the end of the day, there's hypocrisy there. And I I cop to it. Call me a hypocrite. Yep. I I'd so, like you you you're right. I'm flawed. I'm a flawed human being. But god damn it, I just love the team too damn much. And that's it. At the end of the day, we all love the dolphins. And in the in the immortal words of Trick Daddy, I love the dolphins. And if you have a problem with that, you can kiss my whole family ass. I love the Dolphins. And I love Trick Daddy. And when I was delivering Chinese food in Miramar, I delivered to Trick Daddy. And sure as Trick Daddy loves him some chewable ribs, I love me some Miami Dolphins. There it is. There it is. So that's it. That's it for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. At the end of the day, we're excited, right? We're excited. We're fired up. A lot of good stuff coming our way. And we're not quitting this team. So we're going to be here with you all through the offseason. We're going to have some guests coming through. Charlie's going to join us. Probably have maybe have the Bearmans on coming up soon. Talk about the draft. The, the, the one problem with all these trades giving away is like the whole like build up to the draft is like, well, what do you, we do now? The Dolphins have like these picks in the middle of the draft don't have a pick until 102 what are we going to do there's a lot a lot of, you know, we got to kind of recalibrate as we head towards the draft because like the what we thought was going to be the build-up to the draft is not going to be the build-up to the draft this year it's going to be a little different draft is going to be kind of boring we take the first night of the draft off which is kind of nice too so um either way it's going to be it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun off season we're going to be here with you on the same old dolphin show and everybody at dolphinstalk.com is going to be with you so once again subscribe to the channel like this video, turn on the notifications, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you. We love you. 
Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and I'm uh, at Amplified to Rock, of course, and the show is at Same Old Dolphins. Make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. We've been so busy, we forgot to tell everybody to go to Manscaped.com and use the promo code DolphinsTalk so that you can shave your balls, clean your balls, make your balls smell good. And now you can also make your armpits smell good and the rest of your body with the body wash, with the shampoo, conditioner gimmicks, all of the things at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code DolphinsTalk. You save 20%. You get free shipping. It's awesome. It's a great deal. Trust me on this. Just do it. You've put it off long enough now is the time to go to manscape.com use the promo code dolphins talk and your balls and your significant other will thank you not you siri you don't get to thank me siri my watch talking to me when i'm trying to do the outro of the show here what are we doing anyway uh yeah so we'll be back who knows when we'll be back probably so hopefully not if i don't get another stomach bug we can be back next week we'll talk about everything that's going on because uh you know like i said i have a sneaking suspicion this team isn't done this offseason. So, for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other. Check your pulse. And as always, Go Dolphins! Props to Chris Greer. Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air.